Hey everybody, welcome to the Ask LFC podcast. It's great as usual to be with you. My name is Harrison. I am the Worship Arts Director here at Lake Forest in Huntersville. And Mike Moses here, <clears throat> my first podcast of the new year, Harrison. So uh, right. good, good to see you, lead pastor of Lake Forest Church, Huntersville. Today, we are going to fill in the blanks a little bit of some of the, uh, uh, a couple, uh, one theme in particular in the early chapters of the Gospel of Luke uh, that are not, have not made it into our sermons yet, uh, and I really want to trip through that pretty fired up about it uh and it has to do with the holy spirit mm-hmm. i'm also because all of uh you uh who know me here in town are so kind to ask me how was your father's funeral and you give me a you know a, a nod of the head and how are you doing and so i'm gonna just tell you a little bit of how i'm doing and it actually connects very well to the early chapters of luke that is um i can't wait to dig into all that stuff uh, really quick couple of um uh, a couple of things going around here to celebrate quickly before you move on. We've heard nothing but uh, super cool stories already from the remix launch as we're recording this <laughs> a couple days ago. It looked awesome in our worship center. It, it has never looked in the worship center like it looked on Sunday night. If you've seen any of the pictures. They set it up as a laser tag <laughs> it was awesome. auditorium. Yeah. So you talk about is it, when uh, I was sent a few videos of it and Angie remarked, that's what I call a multi-purpose worship center. That's right. <laughs> it was fogged in there, blue light. And, um, it just everyone I've spoken to just had a blast. And maybe just as important, Cami uh, texted me that ninth grade girls alone there were twelve new ninth grade girls. That's crazy. Uh, and most of them simply they or their fam their family heard about it on Sunday morning. So that's we'd really love cool. To see people connecting in. Yeah. Hopefully, leading to their discipleship. What one other really cool thing that um, that if you haven't been around, like if you don't have, if you have not had kids come up through Kidtropolis and make that transition into Remix before, probably one of the strongest, if not the quietly strongest, ministries at our church uh, is what's going on with the. Uh, the fourth and fifth graders that Daryl Light does. Club fifty four. Man, it is. They had a they had a a lock in uh, trampoline park. My nine year old went and stayed the night and did it on Friday night with them. And they're just. This is the only point of this is basically just to number one, shout out Daryl and his crew that partners with him to put that together. And two to say, if you have a fourth or fifth grader. Man, they're just killing it on connecting those kids. It's yeah, so good. Yeah, you'd want them to be here on Sundays and then for the other <clears throat> events. And uh, a lot of the purpose there, we noticed a few years back that fourth and fifth graders, they were lumped in with all of our Kidtropolis mm-hmm. Sunday morning uh, children's worship event. And fourth and fifth graders were, were acting too cool for school because they can look around and see there's first and second graders in there. There's a few kids who can't even read. And so they're going, is this really relevant for me? And we were losing them. That also meant we were losing their interest and Mm -hmm. their energy around um, attending on Sundays. And that's a a lose-lose. In our culture, if a child tells their parent, I don't want to go to church, you you can like this or not, Harrison, but um, the parent is mostly going to acquiesce. Mm -hmm. Um, Average parents, especially if, if there's someone who's just learning the faith or interested and so we feel like it's our responsibility to provide something engaging at every age level. Uh, yes, yeah, so we came up. It also, it meant that if they were dropping out or 
uh, feeling like this was irrelevant fourth and fifth grade, they were also less likely to then transition into remix mm-hmm. in, when they enter middle school when they need a solid Christ-centered identity and biblical teaching to their age and life issues more than ever in their life. Uh, and so what we've done, what our, our leaders have done, is build this t- strong hand. Well, first of all, discipleship at the fourth and fifth grade age level, and then we have a whole handoff process. So if you're a parent, uh, you want to uh, be sure that your head is in this and you're, uh, you're letting us partner with you in assisting your child through all of these transitions into uh, really belonging and being an age. Uh, so it wasn't just um, laser tag Sunday night. They then got in their huddles by, oh, yeah. by grade and gender, and they explored some content and looked ahead for the semester. And and it was great. You mentioned them making it up into remakes. I think you know one of the biggest factors, especially of kids going to student ministry, is knowing somebody. And mm-hmm. it, it's it's awesome what they're doing just in terms of making connections with kids. So we're... Uh, we're excited to be a part of that. So, um, so Mike, <clears throat> one of the one of the things I, I talk about all the time, and, and for you, it's probably fivefold more than me because I participate on the fringes. It's it's strange sometimes being in ministry, um, and particularly experiencing weddings and funerals because we help put those together for a lot of people, and then when it comes time to roll around for someone that you know and care about who is either getting married or or mm-hmm. you in ministry uh, participating in the funeral of somebody that you love, it can it can just feel a little bit differently because we walk in that stuff all the time. So I guess um, how you mentioned folks been asking you all the time how you're doing with your dad. Um, when 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 was the day that your dad passed away? He uh, he died in mid December. Yep. It was a a Friday night, early Saturday morning, and because of its proximity to Christmas and people from out of town, family out of town, etc. My mom and my brother and I. First of all, I just went to be with him with my mom, and my brother came from Asheville, and it was Mm -hmm. just the three of us for uh, almost two days, which was a real sweetness. uh, Right after he died. I preached that next Sunday morning uh, and then drove there, and we had two days. Um, uh, yeah, it was just just celebrating Dad's life, uh, being sad a little bit together, mm-hmm. reflecting on the experience of these years of Mom becoming a caregiver and us supporting her uh, and Dad while grieving his sons, while watching Dad slip from consciousness, um, and, and uh, doing, as we call it, the family... Uh, um, shared a school project of writing the obituary that was a lot of laughter uh, of what got in and what didn't yeah um yeah and and so then it was sort of let it lie and go through the holidays which were great uh, but different tinged mm-hmm. a bit with blue uh in the words of our blue christmas service yep. um and yeah so the funeral was saturday january the 7th mm-hmm. um so we, I just thought a lot of you are asking how that is, and so I just thought I'd give a couple of highlights. Um, uh, it was joyful. It it was several people, both from here who came and there in Greensboro, said they had really rarely, if ever, experienced a funeral at the end of which 
you felt such joy, you felt certainty mm. of the hope of the gospel, and you felt not shamed but encouraged to invest your life in other people uh, for um, eternal purposes mm. because that's who my dad was, Harrison. He discipled people everywhere he went. He would just meet one-on-one and encourage. He would take it to the level of mentorship, especially with men, if that's what they wanted. He did counseling. He led small groups. For example, one of the things they did for our church <clears throat> when my parents lived here and were loving all my sons as grandparents, they in the early years of our church, Dad led a Bible study annually for freshmen at Davidson College. We had a lot of Davidson College students coming here before we broke off and started Lake Forest Davidson. And just even seeing some tributes from some of those students now, years later, is really precious. Mm. And some of whom, those students then became mentors and disciplers of my sons as they led in our remixed youth ministry. Um, so just the legacy of my father investing in people and them finding more life in Christ especially finding the grace of Christ, uh, a, a grace-filled um, biblical relationship with him rather than a shame or sin-focused relationship with Christ, which uh, is, uh, is a cultural or conventional, uh, unbiblical approach to Christianity, which many people have grown up with or internalized for their own shame-filled reasons. And Dad specialized <clears throat> in helping people be free in the Spirit uh, from that. The um, my favorite part of the service was not me speaking, although I did. I was a son, not a pastor. We asked the man who took over my father's ministry and continues it. So there's legacy there. John Freeman, his wife is Emily Freeman. I'm trying to remember the name of her ministry, but I was surprised how many of our elders are aware of and follow their online ministry. Mm. Uh, but John was the pastor of record. Um, <clears throat> And I did speak on behalf of my father and sort of my brother and my mom. I was like, well, mom, brother Matt, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable, to your point earlier, yeah. in the presence of death mm-hmm. uh, and grieving people. So I'll cry as much as, if not more than normal, but I'll, I'm glad to do that. But that wasn't my favorite part. My favorite part <clears throat> was uh, I asked my two boys, Dylan and Austin, would you guys be open to choosing a scripture that honors your, your pawpaw? That's what they call him. Mm. And would you read that? And if you like, say a few sentences about your grandfather. And Dylan and Austin texted back and forth from New York to Philadelphia in between that time. they Over Christmas, they huddled up. And they – I was so proud of my sons. Uh, number one, this this crowd – was uh, a, a large number of them were people that I grew up in Greensboro and it was at the church I grew up in, Westover Church. And so these are all people, my parents' friends that I grew up around. A lot of my friends, some of my friends were there. Um, a lot of the youth leaders, church staff, young life leaders who mm. mentored me, nurtured me, they were mm. all there. Some of our fellow young life leaders from when I was on staff in Young Life were there in Greensboro. And they just got to know my sons, which was a joy for me because they're, they're great guys. They, they, um, so they read scripture, and then they, they sort of – it turned into almost a routine <laughs> between the two of them. And they were, they were touching. They were funny. They talked about their, their main point was their grandfather 
always met them where they were. Mm-hmm. From the youngest age up to teenage and uh, teenagehood, dad and mom, and it was really both of them, were in their lives, cared. They felt seen by them, but they were t- telling stories of when they were little scoobers, uh, it, when they were running around with underwear on their heads, uh, Pawpaw would put underwear on his head <laughs> and run around with them. They just told, and they told some touching examples as well. But that's awesome. <clears throat> but they were, they, uh, the character of Dylan and Austin came through, and that was a real joy for me and their personality for so many people who are precious to me, including people here in Lake Norman, dear friends who came. To just witness my sons in their mid twenties, um, that was a joy. That's, so, a, that's yeah. awesome. Well, I, the the second question then would be that I know um, you've been asked is just, I'm, and I'm sure uh, if if people are are caring to ask you about the funeral, they just be curious to know how you and Angie and your boys are doing now. Yeah, um, thank you. <clears throat> we I'm doing the same way that I told everyone I was doing the Sunday after he died. Um, I, and I've, I've had time for personal reflection both away and then with family and friends and even my spiritual director whom I've been with in between this time. Um, and so I, I figured out, okay, I'm not repressing, I'm not faking. I really had done the bulk of the grieving before he died. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So no new massive wave or wall of grief has hit me. Just gentle um, marking of the passing of a great season of life that mm-hmm. is over. The Ecclesiastes four to, to everything in life there is a season, and I've now experienced that with my my favorite uh, my lifelong uh, favorite dog Copper, yep. um, a mountain home my parents had that had a seasonality to it. As my children were young and I needed a place to go in the growing years of our church to stay sane, mm-hmm. and that season ended, and, and in a much more profound way, the season of my father's life is over. It was a long, good one, and, I, and so I celebrate it. Uh, he, he, saw, he was at his grandson's football games, at Austin's wedding, at their college graduations. I asked the Lord for such longevity. Hmm honestly. And so I I just have thankfulness and gratitude over uh, having such a father, a a good father, not a perfect father. I made that clear in my words, which mostly celebrated him. Um, Yeah, I just have a gentle. uh, And so um, that's how I am. I'm not walking around grieving. Uh, It's not with me all the time. So when people ask me, sometimes it draws me up short, like, uh, oh, yeah. That's what you're asking me about. Yeah, sure. So sure. it's 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 not a. Uh, I am keeping the books that I, of his that I brought from his library that I referred to <clears> in a few sermons. I'm keeping those uh, on my little uh, coffee table in my home study, and so that's. I have a lot of things that are general reminders. I was given, uh, you know, by a family member, a beautiful, uh, a blown up photograph of my father and Austin, who is a. Uh, um, He's he's a photographer and a videographer. He he chose a very uh, um, just beautiful mm. picture of just my father's hands holding a coffee cup. That was most of his ministry was with people over mm. coffee in his office or in a shop. And I, so I have plenty of mementos and reminders, but I'm I'm not walking around grieving. Yet. Yeah, I'm, I I hit yet yeah, last week January second. I hit with 
as much if not more energy and vigor for the ministry year professionally than I feel like I have in years, if that tells you how I'm doing. Yeah. Well, like many people, I'm sure my, I didn't know your dad well, but I had, I had, uh, just interactions of being encouraged by him on some Christmases and new year, uh, Christmases and Easter's and just having him come up and say, Hey, and just, just so much positivity and encouragement. So it was cool getting to, getting to know him, uh, a little bit. So, well, um, Mike, as you mentioned before, we're, um, we're spending a good chunk of time uh, in the book of Luke together as a church. And, and and even taking all that time, there's some stuff that is of interest uh, that would be cool to get to, but just the way the sermon series stack up, it, we can't on Sunday morning do every little part of every verse of the entire book of Luke. So you were just mentioned there's some stuff that is sticking out yeah, and had would, interest to you as you're going yes, through. Yes, and, and this will seed into <laughs> sermons as we go. Uh, anyone who's been here the first two Sundays of the year understands the emphasis that I've been, well, w- all of us pastors of our family of churches have been led to um, to have the first two Sundays. And we'll get to this because it recurs throughout the Gospel of Luke. But I wanted to point out to you guys who are in, more interested than your average bear. I, I think I use that phrase too often. <laughs> I need to think of another one. But but you guys are. Um I wanted to point out the how the Holy Spirit is front and center in these early chapters of Luke in a way that I now have eyes to see because God has called me and our church to grow in our uh, relationship with the person, our engagement with the presence, and our filling with the power of the Holy Spirit. And we, we're trying to take the lid off of my own relationship with the person of the Godhead who's the Holy Spirit, and each disciple here, and even as we're discipling children and youth. Um, as I've said, give credit where credit is due, which which I have been remiss at in most much of my ministry. I'll just say, well, God did this, or the Lord did this. No, the Holy Spirit is the activity of God and, and the agency of all of his works uh, with humankind in this age. And I have not been giving credit where credit's due. And that means I, I've, I've been um, ignoring the Holy Spirit. So I'm really enjoying. I just last week I was at a ministry conference and just had some great times uh, praying and talking specifically with the Holy Spirit, Harrison. So in that vein, uh, as we chose to, to go through the Gospel of Luke, again, not verse by verse, um, the Holy Spirit is just front and center in these early chapters, and I encourage you guys to go back and notice this, but um, uh, first of all, let's let's remind ourselves, the Holy Spirit is active and named in the Old Testament with God's people Israel as there's this preparatory time for the coming of the promised Messiah, who is told will pour out his spirit on all your sons and daughters, your old men, your young men, everybody. Uh, but in the Old Testament, there are specific times when we're told, and so, so-and-so filled by the Holy Spirit uh, for various uh, reasons. Uh, 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 Balaam, Samson, David, we could go on and on. And it's, so the Holy Spirit was not indwelling the Spirit of all of the people of God yet. Um, but the Spirit of God would be given for such a time as this, we might say. 
And in Luke, that pattern continues. Some people call the first few chapters of Luke, they call John the Baptist the last Old Testament prophet because he's the last individual who is said to have been filled with the Holy Spirit in that episodic way. Mm. Although maybe more, I mean, more is said about his filling than most of the Old Testament characters of whom it is said. But first of all, Luke opens, and it's, it, it, <coughs> and when Zechariah is told he, they're going to have John the Baptist, um, that he's told um, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. So there's something a little unique about his filling. Mm. Uh, and, and then Elizabeth is told to be filled with the Holy Spirit, John the Baptist's mother, when, when she breaks out in song. When her cousin Mary comes and says she's pregnant, when Mary says to the angel, "How? what? I'm going to have a child of the Most High, and he'll be called Wonderful Counselor and all that stuff? How? And he says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you shall be with child. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so then uh, we have with, uh, let's find... Um, uh, then, so then John the Baptist is out in the wilderness, and he's saying, I'm preparing, the, he's, he's the promised uh, precursor to Elijah, preparing the way for the Messiah, so to speak. Uh, well, not so to speak, that's actually quoted. Uh, that's, that's his ministry. And then, but then he says, one is going to, and, there, and it's, Luke says, um, records, people were wondering, is this the Messiah? Because John the Baptist had such power. And spirit about him, and he says, "Oh no, one will come after me, whose sandals I am unworthy to tie," which tells us a detail about first mm-hmm. century sandals. They had you you tied those puppies. They weren't <laughs> zipper shoes. They weren't Velcro. They weren't flip flops. They weren't flip flops. They weren't slip ons. They were tied. That's interesting. But he says, "I would. <laughs> I'm unworthy to tie his sandals, but he will baptize with the Spirit and with fire." So this is something new, <clears throat> obviously. Here uh, he's he's be, he's a- alleging the divinity of Christ, and then he baptizes Jesus, um, uh, and Jesus comes up out of the water, and says the Holy Spirit um, descended upon him like a dove, mm-hmm. and the Father, a voice is heard from heaven of the Father, God saying, "Behold, my Son, in whom." Uh, I am well, uh, my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased, which, by the way, is the phrase that I look people in the eyes, and I do it in sermons, but I look people in the eyes of my office, and I say, do you know that because of Christ in you, and now I'm going to add and the ho- his Holy Spirit right this moment, that what the Heavenly Father says about Jesus is how he views you. Hmm. Behold, my beloved daughter, in whom I am well pleased, and um, however, we have the Trinity here, Harrison. People are like, man, the Trinity's not in the Bible. The Word is not in the Bible. And yet <clears> multiple <throat> times, including at the end, at the Great Commission, Jesus says you'll baptize in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But right here we have it, at the beginning of the Gospel of Luke. We have God the Father speaking over God the Son, His pleasure in Him, while God the Holy Spirit descends on Jesus in, in bodily form, like a dove, I, one commentator says, it, perhaps what is being evoked here is when Noah and his family were, uh, the righteous one, were rescued from the wreck of humanity in the mm. flood. Humanity had become a, a wreck, 
a wreckage. It was a catastrophe. And, and the spirit was looking. It, uh, the dove was sent out. Is there a, play, a firm place to stand where we can start over with humanity? And the dove found no place. Now the dove comes in the form of the Holy Spirit and will establish the beachhead of new humanity, the rescue from the wreckage, uh, the one who will redeem and restore from sin and one day create the new heavens and new earth when he returns and judges and makes all things new. That's uh, – forgive me for starting to preach there. Good. Uh, but um, but this, is, this is also beautiful and so powerful – and, and then Jesus, again, early chapters of Luke, that's all we're talking about here. And then Jesus, uh, uh, it says, led by the, filled by the Spirit and led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days. That Again, yep. the Holy Spirit, I'm not making this up, am I? You're looking at it. Luke 4. <laughs> it, again, credit where credit is due. The, it is, what is remarkable about Jesus at the age of about 30, Luke says. He doesn't say exactly 30. I think that's interesting, too. Mm. Um, uh, the Holy Spirit, he's now ba- baptized with the Holy Spirit, depends on him, descends on him. There's, so the new thing between carpenter man Jesus and now activating his Messiahship, and I'm not going to go into theology of who was Jesus before and was he aware of his Messiahship. We're not going to get into that this moment. Um, but the difference is the Holy Spirit. And, you know, the implications for us are profound here, but the Holy Spirit is the activator of God's plan on planet Earth for redemption Mm. through the person of, even through Jesus. Jesus as the second person of the Godhead. I don't know that I would say he's not enough. That's not the right way to say it. But it takes the Holy Spirit to activate the incarnation and now set it on this pathway. Uh, Interesting. And it's the Holy Spirit leading, and it's spoken that he's full of the, filled with the Spirit as he now goes in his time, 40 days of preparation, and then he's tempted. The Holy Spirit is not mentioned in this temptation. But then the Holy Spirit is mentioned in a, a few of Jesus' early miracles. But the last place I'll, I'll, I'll trace here, <clears throat> I forget which chapter it is, early in Luke, Jesus' first sermon. He, it says he's already started his teaching and miracle ministry throughout Galilee. And he says, I'm going to go to a lot of different synagogues and towns and spread the kingdom of God. But, but for his first official sermon recruit, recorded in Luke, he goes to his hometown of Nazareth in the synagogue, pulls out um, the, uh, the prophet Isaiah mm-hmm. in the scroll, yep. reads it, and the first words are, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to proclaim good news. Mm-hmm. And there's more there. But... And then he rolls up the scroll, he sits down, which is the position of a rabbi teaching in that day, and he says, today in your hearing these words have been fulfilled. That's a mic drop moment right there, I'm sure, in that synagogue, reading that and be like, hey, it's me. (laughs) Can you imagine? That was a known messianic prophecy in Isaiah. The Spirit of of the Lord is upon me to, et cetera, et cetera. It was looking ahead. So again, giving credit where credit is due. Jesus, the God-man, is saying, because the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, the Holy Spirit, this is now happening. And, and, uh, and so, number one, this is beautiful. For me to recognize the Trinitarian 
weightiness of the early chapters of the Gospel of Luke, which I have, I have read past before, really up until now. Um, and I'm not a young man, and I'm an experienced um, reader and teacher of the Bible. Uh, I've probably read before the emphasis, this emphasis, but I've not read it while I'm also seeking the Holy Spirit in my own life and mm-hmm. in our church in such new ways. And it makes me hungry for this filling. And the the word filling of the Holy Spirit is is mentioned. That's the verb here. And someday we'll talk about that in a sermon. It, it's super interesting. You, not Again, not to get all into this, but it, it's interesting right after, it's Luke chapter 4, right after... Jesus reads from the scroll from Isaiah. A couple verses later, Isaiah four twenty two, said this is he's in his hometown. So these are people that know him and his family, yeah. and it says all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son? They ask. So it's it is kind of interesting because these are people that knew him, but after this filling of the Holy Spirit, there was like a a a little bit of a differentness to different. his person. Where yes. they were like, wait a second, we is that that's Joseph's son, right? Like we yeah. we all know this guy. What is this happening so right he now? He had been without sin, mm-hmm. and yet there's something different. Yeah, and and now we jump to the end where Jesus, I believe it's in John's gospel. It could be Luke. Um, I didn't um, says it's better for you that I go away, so I can send you the Holy Spirit. And so I I'm just I'm enjoying exploring, like I've been confident my whole life that I am in Christ and Christ is in me, in Paul's language. You know, like somehow in my little Tupperware of my human heart and spirit, Christ, the presence and the nature of Christ is in there who has reformed my identity. But then also that's in a bigger Tupperware container of Christ himself, and I'm in him. Um, And I've been so secure in that identity, but I have not explored enough to this point in my life what does it mean that i the holy spirit has been given to me and that's even better for my life and so we'll continue to explore that can i finish with one example that goes back to my father's funeral let's do it so harrison (laughs) this is funny my father died i I think i related this on the podcast too this first part um we were on the phone late 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 Friday night, Saturday morning, that mid-December, uh, with all the kids, mom, and, uh, you know, I stayed on the phone with her while she was by his body until the funeral home could get there, et cetera, and slept in until like 11 or 12 that Saturday, and uh, got up discombobulated, like, what do you do when when you wake up? <laughs> My father just left this world, went to be in glory, and felt uh, Angie had something going on that she couldn't change and like what are we gonna do next i don't know and i just took a walk with my pipe which is something that i got from a habit from my father um and i felt like i've got a sermon written for tomorrow this was um i think the sermon that alluded to jesus being uh stigmatized in his hometown Mm -hmm. after his first sermon you're joseph's son instead of mary right uh Um, I mean, uh, Mary's son, um, here it's different, but, um, different authors of the gospel pick up on different things that uh, were heard as eyewitnesses. Um, so I was like, should I preach tomorrow or should I just leave and go to my mom's right now? My, My brother's already there. Um, and I felt led to preach and felt like 
um, the sermon's done. There's a way to honor my father in a way that highlights something in this passage. And my father was known and beloved by people who've been at this church for a long time. And that would be a way to honor the church and inform them and pull the, bring them into my personal life. And because I, I was pretty aware that I had already done most of my grieving, I felt like I could do it without ugly snot crying. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, that would not have served people well. So I did. And I felt great about that. I felt like that was a God moment. So then we planned the funeral for Saturday, Jane. Uh, no, on that pipe walk. Sorry, back up. I asked the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit? This is new, Mike. Holy Spirit, this... This could this kind of sounds to a few of my friends like the dumbest thing I've ever done, preaching the day after my father died um, to a whole ton of people, and actually giving a little tribute to him in the sermon. I said, "Is is this the dumbest thing I've ever contemplated doing?" I have a piece about it. It feels right. I'm a public person. I, th- I think some grief in public would probably be good for me. Well, please tell me. And I I got nothing but peace. Uh, and I didn't hear a voice or anything, but I really had an assurance from the Holy Spirit that this is the right thing to do, and it was. It was great. And then I walked right out of church, drove up to be with my mom and my brother. Now, fast forward. We planned the, the, the funeral on Saturday, January 7th, Sunday, January 8th. That's yep. the first big honking Sunday of the year. <laughs> I live for that. Like, New Year's Sunday was great. It was sweet. We had yep. one service. It was really sweet. But man, I'm always looking forward to that first Sunday in January. We're kicking off, we're really kicking off the Luke series. I got plans to talk about the grace, 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 grace of Jesus. Um, and so I was like, wow, um, I've already got the outline for that sermon. Should I preach um, the Sunday after my father's sermon, less than a uh, funeral, less than 24 hours after the funeral? Yeah. And I decided, yes. That I would, I would feel like I'd missed out on something if I weren't here at Lake Forest on that first Sunday of the year. And I'll be fine. Well, I got to the day, and um, the funeral was fantastic. And then we went back to Mom's house, some, just family, changed. Well, we had a, a lunch with family and friends at the church and then went back. And um, my children and daughter-in-law were all staying over that night, my brother— couple other relatives and Angie and I had to leave at six and drive back here and and I was like well that's fine I've got an outline and I preached a sermon on this passage 13 years ago I've got that folder sitting at home I'm just gonna I'm gonna microwave that puppy and I'll be fine I'm a professional and I got home and I hated that sermon from whatever 11 13 years ago it didn't fit who I am today who Lake Forest is today and our emphasis in this series I stayed up till 1 or 2 a.m. Harrison uh, just, and never got clarity on the sermon. And I, I was like, well, I'm going to get up earlier than normal, sleep a few hours, and something's going to have to change. I had texted Aaron Gibson late that night and said, hey, you had mentioned this conclusion for out of a commentary that you had for this sermon on this passage. Could you email that to me? So got up super early, came in here that Sunday, the 8th. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to stand up and riff on this passage. Yeah. Um, and there was Aaron's sermon, whole sermon manuscript in my inbox on the same passage. And the more I read it, I was like, well, this is exactly what we talked about doing with this passage. And it's B-A-utiful. Yeah. It's a powerful sermon. 
Aaron, um, do you mind if I preach your manuscript? But, but I had a few hours to make it my own. I'd come in really early, and I did that, and it was a powerful sermon. Mm. Aaron and I s- s- often swap a part of a manuscript or a whole manuscript, never at the last minute. And so the Lord is my shepherd. He hooketh me up with a sermon. That's right. <laughs> uh, but, but the whole time I was like, I made a poor decision. That was bad judgment. I should have been waking up at my mother's house that Sunday morning with my family, letting the whole experience wash over me and continue to settle in with my family. And as I look back on it, I never asked the Holy Spirit about that decision. Hmm. I never hmm. stopped and said, like the first time, yep. Holy Spirit, is this the dumbest thing <laughs> I've ever, as a as a pastor, I've ever thought of doing? Because everybody around me, maybe you included, certainly the woman I live with, were like, I don't, I really don't think that's a good idea to preach that Sunday. You've got, we have incredible other teachers of God's word here, and I, and everybody told me, and I did not ask the Holy Spirit. So. I will now always give that example of I've got to be in the habit. I need for my life to be in the habit of of a direct relationship, a, a, a conscious, personal, verbal, naming the Holy Spirit relationship with the Holy Spirit to save me from myself on the one hand and also because I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit's power in my ministry. So there you have it. Well, and... <laughs> Jesus, Jesus needed the Holy Spirit, not or maybe not needed their Again, partnership, yes, but he not, sought. Yeah, we're not the trying to be of, uh, systematic theologians in our wording here, but you're yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, he the, needed. Yes, the, when it he was went necessary. to the wilderness, it was the leading of the Spirit that led him there. So, if uh, another awesome thing, what we love about digging into these Jesus series, and what's so great about God becoming flesh, is Him showing us even even God himself in Jesus who has this partnership with his father sought the Holy Spirit. It's, it's super cool to see. I think without doing a systematic theology of this, I think the word that, that would be safe to apply here is the Holy Spirit was necessary to the work of God, the father, son, and Holy Spirit through the son, um, to affect, uh, all of his ministry and our salvation. Mm. The Holy Spirit is therefore necessary in our lives Thank you, Holy Spirit, that uh, you were sent by the Son uh, to effect all of God's plans and all of God's will and all of God's gifts in our lives. May we lean into you and be filled with you more this year than ever before. Amen and amen. Amen.